In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Just a reminder that Diet Starts Tomorrow is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical advice. Always seek the advice of a physician or a health professional. Betches Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow. I stand behind my decision to avoid salad and other disgusting things. With hosts Remy Casimir. I'll have what she's having. And Emily Lubin. Remember, shoot like you have a secret. We're here to amuse your boosh. Hello and welcome to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Remy. And I'm Emily. And today we're joined by a very special guest, America's yes. favorite clinical psychologist and co-host of Oversharing on Betches Media, Dr. Naomi Bernstein. Welcome to Yay. the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you guys. We're going to talk all things mental health, which is a part of health. For those people who are not familiar with your background, Tell us how you got started. Do you have a specialty? Yeah, for sure. So it's crazy. I feel like I've been doing this for a really long time and I my career has sort of evolved. I started off very early working, ironically, because I'm on the show on eating disorder issues and I worked in a oh. residential eating disorder facility. Oh, wow. I kind of, oh, wow. yeah, which was, I mean, it was a great experience. And it to me, it's almost like, what your area of specialty is just kind of where the symptoms coming out, right? So if it's it's the same mm. underlying stuff, I think the universal human condition, but is it coming out as an eating disorder? Is it coming out in your marriage? So I did, trans, you know, I kind of moved towards couples therapy for a long time and was doing mm. a lot of work with couples and marriages. And recently I, in the last, I'd say five years or so, I am very focused on mindfulness and the mind-body connection, which again, relates back mm -hmm. to all the stuff that you guys talk about. So that's where I'm at right now, just doing a lot of work with patients. I do pretty much entirely group therapy at this point, um, which I think is an amazing modality in cool. terms of being able to help as many people as possible and kind of getting people to understand that there are these very universal human conditions around. And we'll talk more about, mm -hmm. I think later in the episode, like your sense of self and your ego and um, how our insecurities kind of play out in different types of symptoms, whatever they might be. So I think group therapy mm -hmm. is a great way to sort of allow people to see, hey, even though I'm going through one person might be struggling with an eating disorder, one person might be struggling with substance abuse, one person might be struggling with depression or anxiety, all in the underlying, same group. yeah, under all in the same yeah. group. Mm -hmm. Because underneath that, it, it's very similar issues. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, actually did group therapy several years ago, when I was trying to seek treatment for my eating disorder. And mm -hmm. I love the concept of group therapy because you just get to be around other people who struggle with similar things that you struggle with. But for people like me who find it a little bit hard to speak up, 
I kind of had a hard time in group therapy because I felt like I was kind of hiding behind everybody else. Yeah. What would you suggest for people who kind of have a hard time speaking up? For sure. So I literally just ended a group right before I logged on for this call. And I tell people in between sessions, if you're there's something you've been thinking about talking about, email me in between mm-hmm. sessions and I'll find the space for you. So I know ah, that that happens. It's that's not, nice. Emily, that happens to a lot of people where it's like, I don't know the right moment. Does this exactly have to do with what the last person said? Or am I, yeah. you know, bullying? Taking up and, space. Yes, taking up too yeah. much space. So um, I will always tell my groups, email me in between if you need help kind of finding your way into the group. And so I help people do it that way because I know it's a common experience. That makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Yeah, I I remember trying that out and thinking it was gonna, like thinking it was gonna cure me, and then it was the individual therapy that ended up, which I found through the group therapy. Mm-hmm. But another thing that you said that I think is so so true is that the issues that we go in for are often just symptoms of the problem, mm-hmm. and I discovered that in individual therapy when I realized that my eating disorder was really just a symptom of an anxiety disorder. So Mm. you're so right that that can manifest in all different kinds of ways. We're kind of wanting to talk about the stigmas around mental health. And why do you think, I mean, there is much less of a stigma than there used to be, but why do you think that kind of still exists? And why do you think people wait so long sometimes to get treatment? Great question. And I think it's huge because I think there is kind of this competitive culture in terms of like who's doing the best and who's, you know, who's functioning really well and who's most equipped. Yes, exactly. And especially with social media, when you see people and, oh, I'm out and I'm being social. And then when you're kind of just got done with like an ugly cry on your couch and you know, you <laughs> see this person that's like looking amazing and out with seven friends, it doesn't feel sometimes. And you're easy like seven friends. Yeah, right. Get I those people. On a good day. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So I think that social media doesn't help, but I also think that it's sometimes like a just a a problem within yourself of kind of accepting those moments of struggle, you know, accepting and the hardest part and what create what I believe creates a lot of symptoms for people that are already perhaps struggling with mental illness, whether it be anxiety or depression or even something more severe like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, whatever that is that, that people are struggling with is, is sort of rejecting that part of yourself. And so Mm -hmm. rejecting those parts of yourself ends up creating a lot more symptoms because you're kind of trying to hide it or you're trying to um, project or all these defense mechanisms that come up. So then that ends up making it. Now you're you know, you had a you had a little fire burning and now it's spreading because now you're starting a fight with somebody because they brought up something that's triggering or, you know, you're breaking up with relationships that aren't working out or you're not healthy um, because you're not eating or you're eating too much or you're, mm-hmm. you know, all the other symptoms. So now it's just like piling on because you don't want, you know, it's like, I always think a lot of my patients have brought up the Taylor Swift song, like, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that that song has that speaks I to think, my soul. In, it's inspired a lot of people to go to therapy, right? Because the <laughs> truth is, it's it's all of us. We're all the problem sometimes, you know. But nobody really wants to be the problem. 
Yeah. What you were saying, though, about resisting therapy because you want to feel like, okay, I'm going to push this thing away from me. Like, I very much relate to that. And I don't know if I've spoken about this on this podcast, but I was diagnosed with depression and my uh, doctor gave me a prescription for Lexapro and I did not want to take it. Like, I just was so anti-treating it because I didn't want to address that I had it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I can just ignore it and pretend that it's not there, like, it'll just go away. And no, that exacerbated the depression so much. And it did work the second I I took it. Right. And I, I don't want to get too personal, but did you find that when you were not owning that, can you identify that it was that it was like spreading in your relationships or that somehow? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like when we're talking about the stigma, I know a lot of it for me is I was told I was a sensitive person a lot growing up and being sensitive. It wasn't seen as a very powerful thing. It was seen as like super weak. And so anything having to do with feelings that you need to address your feelings and stuff, it was seen as like, Oh, well, if I'm just not equipped for this world, then why would I even invest anything into me? Yes, I can definitely see that. And it's interesting you bring up the idea of a sensitive person because that's one thing where you can be like, okay, I can accept that I'm a sensitive person and that that I feel very deeply, Mm -hmm. but what do I do with those feelings, right? Mm -hmm. Do I get angry at everybody because they're all wrong for pissing me off and you shouldn't have done that? Or do mm-hmm. I accept that about myself and allow myself to talk about it and allow myself to have those feelings and accept those feelings? And if it's being presented to you as like you're a sensitive person, you're weak, or there's something wrong with you, or that's not okay, then that you probably would tend to use some of these defense mechanisms like projection or um, kind of putting stuff out there that's just going to put negative energy into all your relationships instead of owning, okay, yes, I am a sensitive person. I do feel very deeply, but getting the help to know, okay, what do I do with these feelings when they're overwhelming? Because there are things you can do with them. Yes. And bottling them is just the worst thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what happens when you bottle them is eventually you bottle, 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 and then it explodes. And Overflow. And you blow up. Right. Yeah. You blow up a friendship and now you feel terrible about yourself because you can't maintain friendships or why can't I maintain relationships or I'm overeating now or I'm under eating and now I feel badly about that. So yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think owning your shit is a big, huge part of mental wellness as you know, Mm -hmm. as just kind of like awkward as that sounds, but like if you can accept yourself and then you can't learn to deal with your strong emotions unless you first accept that you have them. So. And also accept the fe- that the field is a good field because I feel like the field of psychology has been put down for, a, like I, I used to hear people being like, oh, you want to go to medical school for psychology? What a waste of a degree, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, And it's like, I, I personally think that stems a bit from misogyny because it's a talking about feelings field. How do you feel about Even that? Even though there are plenty of, Male psychologists. Yeah. Oh, tons. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And the irony of the whole thing is like the mind-body connection is science. That's facts. You can yeah. read study after study after study. And I'm sure, you know, you guys have experienced it. I mean, even just this morning, I, you know, woke up with a headache and I'm like, oh, well, I have a headache and I should take some medication for my headache. And I'm like, you know what? 
I think I'm stressed out or I think I'm like, mm. you know, I, I was thinking about something that was upsetting me or I had something happen in my life. And like, it literally, it's not that my headache isn't real. Believe me, it was real. I had pain, but it was pain that was coming from, you know, other stuff, other stuff. And that happens with, you know, all sorts of GI issues and just kind of, um, all of it. Chronic pain and yeah, all, all sorts of things. People have medical issues that they go in for and they get tested and nothing shows up. And then it turns out that it was all mental. And there's stigma around that too. People get so mad about that. Like if they're feeling pain and you tell them, well, I, and I would never say it's in your head because the pain is real. They're really literally, it's changing your physiology. It's changing, you know, your biochemistry. So the pain is real, but it's the, the origin is something that's starting in your mind with, you know, kind of whatever it is, stress or depression or. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly fascinating to me. And I mean, anybody who says that the mind body connection isn't a real thing or isn't that strong. I always point to the placebo effect, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, that is an amazing thing that just taking something that you think is treating what you have ends up improving your symptoms just by thinking that it is. Yes. That is amazing. And that is, that is proof of the mind body connection right there. Totally. And, and every single study, you know, you have to kind of have a placebo group because it's so proven that, Mm -hmm. you know, just thinking that you're taking something is going to change the way that you react to it. So yeah, facts. It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your own fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some Smalls to my friend in Brooklyn who is fostering kittens, and they took to it right away. It is delicious. It is nutritious. It is easy to serve. Yum, yum, yum. Eat it up. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh, protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they'll completely refund you if your picky cat won't eat their food. Now is the time to make the switch to Smalls. Head to smalls.com slash DST and use promo code DST at checkout for 50% off your first order, plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find. But you have to use my code DST for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code DST for 50% off your first order, plus free shipping. Warmer weather is finally back. After so many cold months, it's nice to get outside and soak up the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring spring flowers, 
and sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I suffer from seasonal allergies. I just had them hit the other day. I couldn't breathe through my nose at all. And I popped a Claritin and it was like night and day. I'm a huge fan of Claritin. I use it on the regular and it always helps when we're making that transition from winter to spring, which is when my allergies flare up. Mainly it's my sinuses that get so clogged and the Claritin just clears it right up. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients and just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy throat and nose, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live your life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And they're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life, so it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles, but right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N-U-U-L-Y.com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. You know, I'm so happy to hear that you've dealt specifically with eating disorders in the past. I think that's really great because we do have an advice question that we wanted to share with you. And quite frankly, I'm also happy that just the two of us aren't answering it because it is so nuanced. Yeah. <laughs> it it's very nuanced and I've like I've given it a lot of thought, but I'm I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Dear DST, love you both as a new host. I'm curious your opinions on this situation with a very close friend of mine. In the last five years or so, this friend, early 30s, 5'4, I like that she included <laughs> the height, has gained easily over a hundred pounds. Her doctors, family, and other friends are concerned. Her most recent blood test came back with diabetes and cholesterol concerns. She's often red-faced and out of breath doing normal everyday activities. But because she works out a few times a week and is, quote, active, she has blamed her, quote, fat-phobic doctors and doesn't feel there is a problem. 
The issue is that this weight gain was perpetuated under the goal of being more, quote, body positive and accepting of her body, even though her eating and exercise habits were not disordered beforehand to anyone's knowledge. She's always preaching the eat whatever you want, eat what makes you feel good mantras, religiously following multiple body positive Instagram accounts to advocate. I'm all for loving your body no matter what, and she'll always be a beautiful human and friend to me regardless of her outward appearance, of course. But I'm genuinely concerned for her health, and she's gotten extremely defensive every time her family has tried to talk to her about it. She refuses therapy. I honestly think it's disordered. Emotional binge eating out of denial, depression, loneliness, and unhappiness more than it is about trying to intuitively eat. I just don't know what to do or if there's anything I even can do. If talking to her just ends up with her blaming others and insisting she's healthy, what can we do? Thanks for any advice you may have. Worried for my friend, Betch. Yeah, this is, this is interesting because I, I do on the one hand, I love the whole body positive movement. And I think that it's amazing when people can just sort of say, Hey, this is who I am you know, I don't need to fit into this, you know, particular model of size. However, I always tell people that the body that you have to accept is the body that you have when you are taking care of yourself, you know, so you have to accept the body when you're eating well. I mean, everybody falls off every now and then, but like you're generally eating healthy and you're generally exercising that's, and then at that point, that's, your healthy body. And that's what you have to accept. So it sounds like that's not exactly what's happening here. So I can understand why this listener is concerned, but I don't think, I think the issue is, and she knows what it is, whatever she described, loneliness, the emotional pieces of this, I think are where she should probably start with her friend. Cause it sounds like she's very sensitive. Just being like, can I be here for you in other ways? Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I am curious what you think about this because I just think you can't force anybody else to go to therapy. Like, first of all, I I think that has to be their decision. In the past, anytime anyone has ever tried to push me to go to therapy, maybe I'll physically go, but I'll, I I lied to those therapists and Mm -hmm. I wasn't, it wasn't productive for me at all. Yeah. So, I mean, I I agree with you. I don't think jumping in there and being like, hey, I think you're upset. Why don't you go to therapy? But I think maybe what I have found to be the most effective strategy with people that are engaging in any type of behavior that you from the outside see as unhealthy, whether it's like they're in an, an unhealthy relationship that you think that you want them to come that they shouldn't be in or this type of thing is creating as non-judgmental of a space Mm -hmm. as you can just to allow Mm -hmm. them to start talking because once they start talking and they know that they're not going to be judged, like I, it does sound like she has a lot of information about her health, this friend's health. She knows like her blood work, her numbers or, you know, whatever's going on. So she is opening up to an extent, but I would tread very carefully and just see if you can get her to open up about what you're finding in terms of the lonely. What were the other things that you said? Loneliness. Yeah. It says denial, depression, loneliness, and unhappiness. Right. So I would, I would definitely maybe even say like, I, you know, I feel this way sometimes too, like kind of relating to those feelings of 
loneliness or depression or unhappiness or whatever and see if she can just mm-hmm. get her talking about that because the rest of it I think is a symptom to her maybe feeling I don't know if she was wrapped up in diet culture and just eventually got to this point where she was like I'm sick of this I'm sick of trying to lose weight or be someone that I'm not I'm just going to throw myself in and now found that she can give herself an excuse to engage in probably like emotional eating practices is what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I was this friend, I would just start with creating a super non-judgmental space where this friend can call her if she's lonely, can call her if she's yeah. upset or depressed and then take it from there. I like that yeah. you mentioned breakups or if you think somebody's in a, like a bad relationship, because that's another thing where it's like, you cannot really say to that person, get out of this relationship. It's going to make them want to stay in can. it. <laughs> right. But it's it, like, it'll make them want to stay in it more. It'll also make them not want to open up to you the next time something does go wrong in the relationship. Um, I have a lot of friends that are addicts. If somebody falls off the wagon, you cannot force them to get better. You just have to be there and be open and be like, okay, you fell off again. Like, is there anything I can do for you? Like, and not trying to like force them because people I think will do stuff when they're ready, but it is, it is tough for other, for friends to see friends suffering in any way, you know? Um, And so people want to intervene. It's super hard to not want to shake somebody and try to you know, talk them out of it or try to convince them to do something. But exactly what you said, it's going to backfire. And one of the things that I've spoken about on oversharing is a therapy technique called motivational interviewing. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. Ooh, no, no, I haven't. So basically what it is, it's like you have to meet someone where they're at. And it works for whether you yeah. mentioned that, you know, whether it's substance abuse or being in an abusive or an unhealthy relationship or anything that someone's engaging in, if you come in and their, you know, their motivation to change is like a two out of 10 and you come in and you just start giving them all the reasons why they need to change, what their mind does is their mind starts defending against it. And then they start speaking aloud the story of why it's not so bad and why they don't need to change and why they start like protecting their Mm -hmm. unhealthy habits Mm-hmm. which just rehearses that story in their mind and it actually ingrains it a little bit more versus if you come in and you just kind of say, you know, like if she brought up these test results, oh, it came positive for diabetes or whatever it is. And you just say, oh, well, it just sounds like at this point, it's not really worth it for you to make any changes because you feel happy or you're happy with, you know, being able to eat whatever you want and that And then that might cause her to say, well, you know what? I actually am a little nervous about how this is going to play out down the road. So then it forces her to kind of conjure up something on the other side. It seems like, okay, I'm going to tell you what to do. And then that's going to convince you. But that really is kind of the opposite of how I think the human psyche works, where you kind of want things to stay in homeostasis. So if you're really pushing hard certain type of change, they're going to defend against it. If you're kind of like, look, it sounds like to you, it's worth it to, you know, keep eating this stuff and and living your life and enjoying your life right now. That's, that seems what I hear you saying is that's where you're at. Mm-hmm. And then she might come back and say, but I do feel like I can't, I wanted to join a pickleball league and I can't really keep up. And so maybe that's not, you know, whatever it is. Um, 
So that's kind of what motivational interviewing is. It's sort of like having the person come up with the argument for themselves versus themselves. you kind of shoving it yeah. down their throat. That is so smart and so clever. So good because you're right. You do have to tread lightly, especially with these topics that are so delicate because we're talking about mental health, but we're also talking about weight and these things are so sensitive and everybody has bodily autonomy. Like this, this girl does not need to lose weight if she doesn't want to. It's just a question of like, now what can I do for my friend? And what I'm, what I'm hearing from you, Naomi, is that like just being there for your friend is all you can really do and like creating the space for them. Mm-hmm. Totally. And the hardest part is going to be accepting it when she chooses not to change and she keep you're there for her and you do the thing, which is really hard of like watching these unhealthy behaviors, not being able to do anything about it. You're trying to be open and non-judgmental, and, and it is really hard as a friend to do that. Like in the example, even of like an unhealthy relationship, you're like, okay, I'm not going to judge this person. I'm going to go out to dinner with her and her boyfriend that I don't really like or Mm -hmm. her girlfriend that's not treating her nicely or whatever it is. And I'm going to put myself through this for the sake of being supportive and keeping the lines of communication open and then nothing still changes. It's a very frustrating position. So I don't envy her position on this, but I think it's the, if there's any shot that you're going to get, that's the only way I mean, and I, I've been this person too. You know, like we joke often that I'm a bed person. A lot of the times I'm depressed and I mm-hmm. can't get out of bed. And when other people comment on it and they're, oh, you'll never get up. You're always in bed. That doesn't make you want to get up. <laughs> Even in the moments in. when you do want to get up. Yeah, literally. <laughs> because totally. we're all contrarians. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because it's almost like, maybe instead of accepting that you wanting to sleep all the time is depression, you formulate this kind of differing identity around it of like, oh, I'm a bed person, right? Which Mm -hmm. feels better than saying like, I get depressed sometimes. And it doesn't mean you're a depressed person. It means that sometimes you get depressed and you want to stay in your bed. And it's interesting because a lot of times like people that are tired a lot, it's, Mm -hmm. it's depression. You know, people that, Mm -hmm. you know, there, I think there's, you know, there's like a pop culture thing around like just staying in bed or not wanting to get or canceling plans. Right. That's something else that I've talked about the whole concept of like, oh, I hate making plans because I want to be able to cancel plans whenever Mm -hmm. I, or like I make plans on a Wednesday. And then by the time Saturday comes (laughs) around, I want to be able to cancel them. Rescheduling is my love language. (laughs) Yeah, or like secretly being happy when somebody reschedules. Yeah, the best. I see that a lot. Right, experience it too. Totally, and I think some of that is sometimes knowing that you might have a wave of depression at the time Mm -hmm. that this plan is taking. Like you might feel good on a Wednesday and energized, but by the time Saturday night comes around, you might be aware of myself. I have these waves of depression where I don't want to do anything instead of owning that and saying like sometimes being able to say to your friend, you know, I have these mood swings. I have these waves of depression. So I want to make plans with you, but I'm afraid that come Saturday night, I'm Mm -hmm. going to get a wave of depression and I'm not going to feel like going anymore. Instead, we hide it behind this pop culture thing of like, 
you know, I like to be able to flake. I don't like making plans when I think not for everybody. Some people just, maybe they feel like staying in their pajamas and that's fine. But I think for some of those people, it's, they don't like making plans because they're afraid that they don't know when their depression symptoms are going to hit or when their anxiety symptoms Mm -hmm. are going to hit. And they're going to be too anxious to pick out an outfit and get dressed and go out and socialize or whatever that is. So I think that's my, my friend had a party last week and I was just going to flake and not say anything because I was like, she's not even going to notice whatever. And then the next day I was like, I should just be honest about this. And I was like, Hey, um, I had a really weird social interaction yesterday right before the party. And it like totally like obliterated my social battery. Like, I hope it was so fun. And she was just like, it was, and like, let's hang out one-on-one, you know, like, That's such a nice, supportive friend. Yeah. Honestly, I don't want somebody coming to my party and feeling depressed and anxious. Totally. Like, I think your true friends will understand that. Guys, as many of you know, I've been on an alcohol-free journey. Please don't hold it against me that I just said journey, but I have. And one thing that I've really missed on this journey is... Beer. But now with athletic brewing, I'm able to get that delicious beer like taste in my mouth without any of the alcohol. It's amazing. Just so you guys know, I used to love sours. I'm a big sour drinker and I really miss that taste. And now I don't have to miss out on it. It's amazing. Whether you're trying to cut back or you just want to explore a non alcoholic alternative, athletic brewing is often a game changer. They offer a variety of different full flavored brews with no alcohol allowing you to sip and celebrate anytime and anywhere. Do you like hazy IPAs, sweet fruity sours? Now you can enjoy this style without the hangover the next day. They offer hassle-free delivery right to your door when you order at athleticbrewing.com. Athletic brews bevs you can drink anytime, anywhere and still go right back to whatever you were doing. It's a great fit for parenting, playing sports, watching sports, doing chores, late nights and early mornings so you can imbibe without worry. Try Athletic Brewing non-alcoholic beers for yourself. Use code DST to get 15% off your first order at athleticbrewing.com. That's code DST at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. We're talking about stigma with mental health, and Mm -hmm. I do think there's this other camp of like people being very blasé about mental health that I don't know if you've noticed, but, you know, like this loose language around calling people narcissists or calling or, you know, saying, oh, yeah, well, I'm bipolar, you know, but but not never being diagnosed. Like, I feel like the Internet culture nowadays is a little bit blasé with these mental health terms. I'm wondering how you feel about that. Yeah, it's interesting because I think, again, it's almost like you know, you get this support from this body positive community, and maybe you find some support in like a bipolar community, even though you might not really necessarily be diagnosed with bipolar, but you kind of feel like there's some similarities there. So you might kind of cling to that identity of I'm bipolar, even if maybe you're not fully. I Personally, this is my personal opinion that I'm not like a huge on diagnosis because I think there's every human has so much gray and you might have, you know, some, somebody who might have some mood swings. Yes. You can look at the DSM five and find what your diagnosis is and see Mm -hmm. if you meet criteria and all of that kind of thing. And there, there are ways to diagnose, but I don't know if it's super healthy because if you do identify with 
let's say what our topic that we were just talking about, where Wednesday you're in a good mood and you're ready to make plans and you're so excited to get dressed and go out. And then Saturday night you're feeling depressed and upset, or you had a weird social interaction and you're no longer in the mood. I mean, that's mood swings. Is it bipolar disorder? Probably not, but you can relate to the struggles of somebody that has that. But yes, I agree that there is Mm -hmm. a lot of like narc people call like, you know, that's like the one that I hear a lot. Everyone's a narcissist other people. Now. Yeah. Yes. Other people are narcissists. I don't oh, yeah, hear a lot of me. people coming in and saying, I'm a narcissist. <laughs> Some people look into it. I've looked yeah. into it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is great because I think it's almost like it's me. I'm the problem. Like being able to identify because a lot of what narcissism is, not that we need to go off on a tangent on that, but it's like this deflection it's kind of like, I yeah. want to maintain my perfection identity of being a perfect person. And a lot of us can relate to being perfectionistic and wanting to be perfect. And so sometimes when when that ego identity of wanting to be perfect is so strong, the idea that you did something to hurt someone else or the idea that you acted selfishly, it's very, you don't want to own that because then that mm-hmm. affects your, you know, per- perfect ego identity. So that's when it comes off as narcissistic. If your ego in being this perfect person is so strong that you will not be willing to own up to a selfish act or a behavior that might've been based out of any of the things that we're talking about, depression or Mm -hmm. loneliness or sadness or self-esteem issues that you don't want to own up to. So instead of owning it, you can say, well, it's your fault because you did this or blame other people, which is what a lot of people feel like narcissistic tendencies are. But again, it comes down to owning your shit. If you can own your shit, you're going to be present much better in the world. Yeah. I think um, that a lot of the self-diagnoses I'm seeing, like it'll be people, and I'm guilty of this too, where you'll see, okay, well, I was actually diagnosed with ADHD. And then when I got diagnosed, I was like, okay, well then that just explains my problems, you know? And, you know, you'll see somebody being, oh, well, I identify with this. So that just explains my problems. Even as going as far as I'm a narcissist, I'm a narcissist. So that just explains everything and there's nothing to do about it. Sorry, I canceled last minute. I'm a narcissist. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I think that's the, the thing is, okay, well, if you have this diagnosis or you think you have these symptoms, what can you do to change it? Yeah. Like, what can you do to feel better about that? I I constantly get diagnosed with autism by my TikTok algorithm. (laughs) Like, there are things that I do identify, but I'm going to treat those things. I'm just going to say, okay, yeah, I am a very literal person. How do I go about the world knowing that now? Yeah. Yeah. And these are all opportunities for growth. It's just that growth is difficult. It really is. It hurts. It hurts a lot. Growing pains are real. Yes, for sure. And that's why, and this is just a plug for group therapy in general. And specifically, I, the way that I run it, which is like, you're having all these people with all these different things. And what it all boils down to is this idea of, okay, I'm owning my stuff. Like you said, I'm a narcissist or I have ADHD or maybe I'm on the spectrum or whatever it is. And how do I handle that? Um, and how do I relax into that? How do I own that? And How relax- does it affect other people? Yes. 
Yes. And the discomfort that it takes to change, you know, like what you're describing is like change is if you're really changing, you're going to be uncomfortable. So a lot of what we talk about in the group is relaxing into discomfort. We'll even start with like some stretching and some moving and like pushing yourself in a stretch a little bit farther than what you would do so that you can learn to relax into the discomfort of creating change. So whatever you're saying, like my, you know, the change is painful, learning to know what does that pain feel like in my body? What is actually painful? And how can I relax into that pain and, and not react to the pain to try to Mm -hmm. change it? And that's where you can make an actual change. Wow. And just like working out, there's yes. soreness that makes you feel like this is growth. And then there's soreness that you're like, I tweaked something. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. But the growth soreness, like we've talked about, like basking in that good soreness because you're like, oh, I feel like I'm changing positively. Does it hurt a little? Yeah. But like it hurts so good. Yes. That is such a good analogy. Totally. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very impressed. And again, it's like that mind-body connection. Like our emotions really do live in our body. There's discomfort in your body that you're feeling that you're not even aware of because it's pretty subtle. So when you're depressed or you say, I'm not in the mood or whatever it is, there's something you're feeling in your body that you're not necessarily aware of. It could be as simple as like a little indigestion in your throat or Mm -hmm. butterflies in your stomach or even like just a little like tightening of your the space between your eyebrows. There's these subtle signals that your body is giving you that when you can learn to meditate and tune into it, you can sort of be like, okay, actually, Mm -hmm. this isn't as bad as my mind is making it feel. Because maybe in the past, maybe 10 years ago, you felt that and it was because you experienced a big loss or because somebody was bullying you or because you broke up with somebody and now you feel the same sensations and you create an association in your mind or you seek around in your environment for something to explain why you're feeling that way in your body. But these these little changes are super subtle that mm-hmm. it takes a lot of paying attention to notice them. And once you notice them, you can be like, okay, I see what that is. It's actually not that bad. Yeah, totally. that's so useful. I. I always say the biggest thing I've taken away from therapy is deep breathing. Mm-hmm. Like I was I just- literally just going to say, like you were talking about furrowing a brow. Whenever I'm like really stressed, I hold my breath and anybody who's close yeah. to me will go, Remy, you're holding your breath or whatever. And it's just a thing. You just have to remind yourself, ah, I'm here. Yeah. Breathe. Yeah. 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 Yes. Like if I could have just taught myself to breathe before I wouldn't have needed therapy. And, and it's, and you know what you're doing when you're breathing, you're, regulating your nervous system and Mm -hmm. we all do it naturally. And that's when you're, when your sympathetic nervous system is activated, that's when you're in like your fight or flight mode. And Mm -hmm. that's when most of these symptoms and behavioral symptoms and, you know, drama and whatever occur in those moments. So when you breathe, you're telling your body we're okay. We can go Mm -hmm. back to like rest and digest and we can move to out of, this is not an emergency. So you'll see even, you know, and when you hold that breath, that's you telling your body, like there's a dangerous situation here, even if it's Mm -hmm. an upsetting TikTok or a message from a friend that you don't like, you hold your breath as if there's like a lion that's about Mm -hmm. to attack you. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
Yeah, this was fun. I actually really love oversharing. I think it's a good it's, podcast. It's such a good podcast. Oh, thank People you. submit advice questions, and I, I really love your perspective. You have such a calm, soothing presence. And yeah, I, I love it. You guys should definitely listen to it if you don't already. Thank you so much. Yes. And where can they find you online if they'd like to follow? Sure. So I don't really do social media and that's like my own, like everything I talk about. Fair yes. enough. Yeah. I love that. Practice what you preach. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, occasionally pop on and, and peek around, but I don't, I don't, I find that when I've tried to do it, I get caught in the who's looking and how many people are liking and who, you know, so I, which is, oh, yeah. moves me from my piece. So if you want to check out my website, you can go to naomibernstein.com and you can find out information about if you're interested in joining one of my groups, there should be some information up there soon, although we're in the process of tweaking things, but you'll be able to get to me that way. Or you can always send me an email at naomibernsteinpsych at gmail.com. Okay. So in this episode, obviously, we are talking about mental health and all of the issues that can arise. We wanted to dedicate this episode of DST to our dear friend, a friend of the comedy community, Jack Steloso, who passed away um, from a battle with mental health. And um, she was a wonderful person. She was a bright, bright shining light in the moments that she was not having lonely bouts. Yeah. Th I, this is someone that Remy and I have both known for years. And when she would walk into a room, the energy would shift mm -hmm. in a very positive way. Mm -hmm. And um, she's really going to be missed a lot. I'm having a hard time not crying, but I know. she's, she's really going to be missed a lot. She was very beloved mm -hmm. in the comedy community. Um, and I myself was not even that close to her, but I have friends who were quite close to her. And I yeah. think the general consensus from everyone I've spoken to is um, that we love you we and we miss we you. We love you, miss you. And um, we wish we could have done something to help you. Yeah. That, I mean, that was one of my conversations with you is I, I wish I had texted her earlier or whatever, tried to figure something out. She, um, she had been struggling for a long time. And the thing is, is we were there for her and she has friends closer to her than I am that were there for her. And sometimes there is nothing that can be done, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I mean, I think in the, in these situations, there really isn't anything that you can do to help someone who is struggling unless they actively seek out that help. And she had many, many, many times. And that's why a lot of us, we were like, okay, she'll come back this time. She always comes back. Unfortunately, this time she did not come back. Um, I just want us to all remember how wonderful she was. She was a person that supported other people tremendously, even when she couldn't support herself. The first time I met her was at an all-women comedy show. She was so about female comics and lifting up other people. She would do this thing on Thanksgiving that if people didn't have anywhere to go, they could go to her house. She would cook for them. She was very about the community. At one point, she even started an entire female comedy fest called Boss Bitch Revolution. Which was so Which good. was amazing. And she just, she was wonderful and yeah, we just want to remember her and send love to anybody who's missing anybody. 
yeah, let's all just have a hug yeah. and um, a moment of silence for Jack. Batches.